Hello, I'm Erin Bremer-Wright, and this is the Strength and Vulnerability Podcast, the podcast where I share stories of transformation that inspire us to think differently about ourselves, each other, and the world around us. And today I have a very special guest, Anthony Gauthier. Anthony is a physician's assistant in sports medicine. He's been doing it for 12 years now. He, outside of his practice, he also mentors up and coming physician assistants. He has an Instagram following, um, Your Journey to PA School. He also has a YouTube channel, um, and that is just him, Anthony Gauthier. And so today I'm excited to talk to him about what it's like being a physician's assistant right now uh, during the coronavirus. And also you guys, this is crazy. His account was catfished. And so he essentially has recently started over in terms of his Instagram account. So I wanna talk to him what that whole thing was like and what was it like telling his wife about it? Because I imagine that was a tough conversation. So stay tuned. So Anthony, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate the time. I know you're super busy with work and also mentoring up and coming uh, physician's assistants. I know you're a dad, so you have a lot to juggle. So thank you again for your time. Um, I wanted to ask you, what is it like being a physician's assistant right now during the coronavirus? Like, has anything, I'm sure a lot has changed now as opposed to pre-coronavirus. Oh, definitely. So many things have changed. And I specifically work in sports medicine. So uh, some of my colleagues that work in ER, urgent care, there's so many different settings that uh, PAs work in. And I particularly, I could just speak on behalf of myself and how it's kind of evolved and changed for me. But I work sports medicine in Southern California, busy practice. And I would say 90% of what we do are elective surgeries. So coronavirus starts affecting people, they shut down, and then the government says no elective surgeries are allowed. So that pretty much shuts down our office for a couple weeks. We start doing telemedicine, following up on patients, just really limiting the amount of interactions. And that's kind of what happened to me. So unfortunately, what happened to a lot of colleagues that were working in subspecialties like myself as we kind of went from being busy, having a good livelihood to door being shut and you can't really work or do much, mm. um, which is kind of interesting because for most everyone else watching TV and the news, you think if you have healthcare experience, you probably are in so demand right now that you're working insane amount of hours and you don't have time to rest. Well, that was very true for people in certain fields and specialties, but for people in subspecialties that were like surgical based or dermatological based, uh, it was actually the opposite, which might be a surprise to some people. So I went from working busy hours to not doing much, which was good and bad. It was good because I got to spend time with my family and my two young kids at home and help out because they weren't in school. But then there's always the fact of, am I going to get furloughed? Am I going to lose my job? And unfortunately, in terms of the PA profession, most people are either uh, employed by a large group, like a large hospital group, or private practices. And so private practices, it's, it's hard to say, hey, I'm gonna pay you a salary when we're not seeing patients. So unfortunately, I had a lot of friends and colleagues that were furloughed or, or lost their job uh, at that time. So things have drastically changed now that we've kind of uh, moved forward where myself personally, our office, we're ramping back up and things are kind of picking back up in terms of patient load and we have a big backlog of people 
that need to be seen and taken care of. So we're pretty much going full steam ahead over the next few weeks. So one thing I like to point out to people is there's a lot of different aspects to it. Uh, we see things on TV and you would say like every healthcare worker is just working like crazy and that's not necessarily always the, the case. Uh, mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, quote unquote, come out unscathed. Uh, I stayed healthy, my family stayed healthy and financially and job wise, I was still okay. That's awesome. It's, it's hard to hear though that so many of those in the healthcare profession have been furloughed just based upon what their specialty is. That's, I mean, it's, it's somewhat understandable, especially if it's a more selective surgery, but at the same time you go to school, you dedicate your life to helping others and then, you know, all of a sudden. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and I'm one of the fortunate ones I've been practicing uh, for a while now. And so I've kind of built up the experience, but I have a handful of people that I've mentored. They've actually recently graduated from PA school. They have their insane student loan debt, like easily over six figures. And now they're looking for a job. Everyone said it's prosperous. Go this route. You're going to be awesome. Do really well financially. Mm -hmm. And then now you graduate, have all the student loan debt, and you can't find a job because no one's hiring because it's just too risky right now. That must be so tough, um, especially because your passion, I mean, outside of your practice, right, as a physician's assistant in sports medicine is mentoring those that want to become physician's assistants. Um, what do you tell those that are in school and it's looking kind of grim, the future? Well, no one could really anticipate this happening. So it's tough right. to tell the people, you know, back then they're already in the midst of school. It's like, hey, by the way, it's probably going to be tough to find a job. Things have definitely changed now for the people that are currently applying to get into PA school. Uh, those are the people that maybe are a little apprehensive into going as full force as they originally thought. Um, but, you know, the job outlook for the profession is still high. Um, the pay for recent grads is still good. So right now, you know, we just get through coronavirus and hopefully move on and, and things kind of normalize as best they can. What drove you to start mentoring people who are interested in becoming physician's assistants? Yeah, so it was uh, actually just happened to be a family friend or kind of a friend uh, that reached out to me asking for help. They knew I was a PA and they were interested in going that route and I kind of just helped them. And then it's, it's really interesting to see how these things evolve and snowball over time. So then it turns into them telling another person like, oh, this person helped me. And then they tell a friend and it seriously is like, they tell two friends, they tell two friends. And it went from me helping a couple handful of people that were like acquaintances from friends or other like colleagues to now I'm giving guest lectures at Cal State Long Beach, uh, which is my alma mater. So I was really closely tied with them. So I was always willing to help them out. So then they start telling people at other local universities in Southern California. And then you kind of get into this point where I get invited to go speak at almost every Southern California university that I can drive to you know, within reason. Uh, and now with Zoom and all the videos, um, I'm actually doing a lot of uh, basically talks to people everywhere, just all over the country the programs will reach out to me and ask if I'll do Zoom meetings and things like that. So it's really 
-hmm. kind of evolved into something I would have never expected it to be. I just, you know, help out a couple friends and then, you know, fast forward like 11 years, 12 years, and now it's turned into like <laughs> a lot bigger of a thing. Yeah, no, I love, I love what you're doing. And I think in general, you're an outgoing person and very friendly, but I imagine um, for many, they're in a profession that they love and they want to go and mentor and help people. But in terms of going out to larger audiences and like being on stage, giving presentations, did you, was that an easy transition or did you um, kind of like work up to that or? Definitely. So when people like see me do Instagram lives or YouTube and they're like, wow, you're so good. Uh, or you, you like sound so, you know, that I'm doing well with it, but that was definitely not the case. I was probably the most introverted person growing up, especially in high school. I would, no be, the guy, I would be the guy that's like afraid to pick up the phone to call anyone, not even like calling a girl. Like that was definitely out of the question in high school. Like there's no way I was brave enough to do that. But I'm talking just like to call my like cousin to wish him a happy birthday. I'd be like deathly afraid to do that. Um, like <laughs> seriously. And then I got, like, college was similar, and I realized when I was in PA school, like, hey, this is not going to fly. If I have this pent-up, like, anxiety and anxiousness every time I have to talk to a stranger, it's not going to work. Um, so this was actually one of my early, like, tips that I kind of taught myself uh, in PA school that's helped me um, all the way up until today to get better is, seriously, I, I initially pretended like I was acting and, like, performing. I, I would perform, I would feel like, okay, when I have a white coat on, I'm basically like a TV, like an actor trying to act appropriately and ask the right things that I've learned and do that. And then I got to a point where it became more natural and I felt like I was just talking to a normal person. That's really solid advice. I know for myself, um, a lot of people may not know this, but I also was pretty introverted. And so for me to be, you know, outgoing, it, it takes a lot. And my mantra was always fake it till you make it. And I started doing improv and it really helped me kind of put myself out like in the forefront and just wing it and just go with it. And I do characters. So for me, it's so easy for me to like go out and be social in my mind. I'm like, oh, I'm just playing that character of, you know, like the super sociable, no, you know, <laughs> very confident, comfortable going around a room introducing myself. So I totally hear you. I'm on the same page. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And and one thing I also try to, well, for young college kids or people that are just kind of getting into their career, because it's, it's really difficult and nerve wracking to have to ask someone, like go up to someone you admire or that's in the field that you want to get into and have the courage to go up and introduce yourself and ask them questions. And uh, it's kind of the same deal. I've, I'm always like, you know, just pretend like you're acting and the worst thing they could do is say no. And then you get to a point, and I'm sure this is the same with you and over the years and the experience, you, you're doing that fake it till you make it at the beginning, but then you get comfortable and you get to a point where you're just actually building and improving upon your skills and then it just becomes a, a natural thing. Totally. Yeah, it's it's the starting point. You got to fake it. But then you do it so often. It's like, oh, okay, this is second nature. It's not, it's not so scary. People aren't really so scary. And I found too that even though I knew, like, I was always really nervous and anxious. And I would talk to people around me who I thought were super sociable, super, you know, confident. And it was the same thing. We're like, oh, no, <laughs> 
no, no. I also was super nervous to attend this or go to this mixer or whatever network. So, but I imagine it's super important, especially when you are pursuing a career that's so demanding to go out and ask the questions and to, you know, talk to people in situations that otherwise you'd be too intimidated to attend, right? So. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. You'd have to kind of get to a point where, especially in depending on where you're working in the medical field, like in the emergency room or or things where the patients, you know, if when people are in pain and having like serious issues, it's no time to just like, oh, hopefully they're pleasant and nice and kind and they they answer my questions the way I want so I can help them. No, you, you really have to kind of learn how to take charge, especially in like the medical field as a clinician, you kind of have to learn like, hey, this is my domain. I have to be able to kind of make sure things are going the direction I want it to go to efficiently help them, appropriately help them, get them the care they need. Um, so you really have to kind of take that leadership role and, and just really go for it. Yeah, and I think you do a really good job in terms of connecting with people and mentoring them, hence all of your followers. So that leads me into my next question. So you essentially started this um, Instagram account and you got thousands of followers. You were doing really great. And all of a sudden you find out that your Instagram account has been catfished. So can you walk me through what was that like? This is definitely a very vivid picture in my mind. And I... I've I finally like fully gotten over it um, and accepted all that it is and started up a new one. But I have to kind of give you a little bit of backstory because there's all kinds of things going on and it was just adding fuel to the fire. So every year I host a, a big conference to help those aspiring to become PA. So this was going to be my eighth year hosting this event. Big event, 300 something people last year on pace to break that. Um, like four weeks in ticket sales were already breaking what I did last year so everything is going great I'm just loving life and doing really well for myself and then I get a phone call that hey because of COVID we're gonna have to cancel it and this was really early on before like COVID was around but it wasn't really hitting hard in the US a little bit in New York but nothing where you're like why should we cancel this Um, So I got this blow where I'm like, okay, my biggest like event of the year that I look forward to, I work so hard to create and build uh, is canceled. So I have that blow. And I remember this vividly because that weekend I'm on just hanging out at home, refunding everyone's ticket that purchased the ticket to the event. And I uh, noticed like, hey, I can't get on to my Instagram. It says like, count not you know, just no account available. And I'm just like, what the heck? But even leading up to that a little bit more was a couple of weeks prior, I was getting these emails or DMs from random women that no idea who they were, just like a random DM from a woman saying, I can't believe you did this to you. How can you mess with my feelings like this? Da da da, like long drawn out ones. I was showing my, I was like, I don't know who these people are. And I'm getting like two or three a day. And, um, I'm like showing my coworkers, I'm showing my wife. I'm pretty much like, okay, I have a middle-aged white guy and I have no idea what's going on. So I'm seeking advice from female friends and my wife I'm like, what do I do? How does this happen? What was happening, then I started getting emails saying like this, this account is using your pictures. And then they would like show me the account and I'd see like all my photos, a different name, different like backstory. 
and I would look at their followers. So I'd look at the fake account and who the followers were, and it was all women. And I'm just like, oh man, this is bad news. Um, and then I just kept getting more and more emails and DMs. It, it was wild. Like I went from a normal life to all of a sudden getting multiple messages a day from people like saying, how come I'm sending them inappropriate things and messing with their emotions. And I'm just like so dumbfounded. Like, can you imagine just going through life, everything's fine, doing your usual thing. And then you're getting these emails from random women like, hey, you're destroyed my emotions. <laughs> I'm like, awful. It, it was it was definitely a, a weird scenario and I'm like okay so every time I got I found out of an account I'd report it okay whatever things are going on then it gets to that weekend where I'm refunding everyone's uh, ticket purchases and I'm just like whatever going scrolling through Instagram just doing my usual like check and then commenting and I think this was really the, the key thing was there was a girl messaged me and she said like, hey, this person's pretending to be you and they keep sending me inappropriate things and it's not cool because I'm only in high school. And I think that was the last straw because that next day was when my account was gone. So account's gone. Wow. Still kind of getting random emails, but not as much. And I'm like, this is so weird. I kind of have a business built around the livelihood of Instagram. So I'm kind of like also torn that I've given up my conference and my livelihood on this business is kind of going by the wayside. So then I start, what do you do? You start reaching out to Instagram, multiple emails every single day. I reach out to other companies or other influencers, people that have really big Instagram following, people that their profession is social media on Instagram, asking them for advice. What do I do? What this and that never never got any answers two weeks worth of emailing instagram and every time it just said you violated our terms and policy every single time and then i would say like i found all these different back roads to get to emails and different recommendations like hey tell them this and this and appeal it and that and show them the pictures um two weeks after i just said you know what i'm gonna just be off of Instagram altogether, lay low of all social media just to see what happens to let things blow over. And so I did that for a couple weeks um, and then just decided to hop back on and start a new Instagram. <laughs> wow, I, I can't imagine you work so hard to build up these followers, to connect with them, to, you know, provide all this really valuable and important content, helping them with their journey to being physician's assistants. And then all of a sudden, some guy comes around and presumably a guy, I don't know who it was. Uh, it, it, I'm sure it was. The guy, I have to give the person credit for their backstory because they said that they worked for, they were a physician. So first off, everyone was like, hey, this person's saying they're a physician and not a physician assistant. Uh, then that he was an orthopedic surgeon that worked for Doctors Without Borders, and he was helping all these people in war-torn countries. Um, so it's a good backstory. I have to give him that. <laughs> Yikes! What? Okay, what is your? What was your? I'm so curious. If you don't mind me asking, what was like your wife's initial reaction when you're like, "Hey, so my account got catfished and..." this is inappropriate content is being sent out with my face on it. Yeah, so 
I don't know exactly like all that the person would ever like send to them. Mm -hmm. I know there was inappropriate photos and things to like build relationships. Um, and then presumably, presumably asking for money. Um, but I'd never had like a full confirmation, but just by what people were emailing me and how, you know, upset they were about certain scenarios. Those were the things I was assuming he was doing. Um, so the, uh, the very first thing that came my way where the person was like, how can you mess with my emotions like this? Da, da, da. I actually didn't show my wife. I showed my female coworkers <laughs> because I was like, what do I make of this? Yeah. But then once I started getting like two or three, they're like, hey, this person's using your photos to uh, create fake accounts. That's what I uh, showed my wife. And then we'd find like the Facebook accounts that they were making and, and all that. Um, so she was definitely concerned. Luckily, one of my things I've always done is I never post photos of my wife or children on my kind of business Instagram. Um, and I rarely post photos of them on any of my social media, just in case crazy stuff happens like this. So the fortunate part was uh, I wasn't worried about anything like photos of my kids or my wife being out there. But uh, yeah, it was a little scary. There was definitely, we never went to the police to file a police report, but there was definitely talks. Um, I have a friend that's a police officer and she kind of gave me some insight and guidance. And um, that's something that I really don't know if I should have or mm -hmm. if it's fine with that. Uh, you know, it's kind of passed by now. I don't blame you though, in terms of just closing it and just stepping back for a while, you know, and kind of just saying, this is awful. I'm going to just step away from it. But I'm curious, what made you go back? Because you have an Instagram account, again, your journey to PA school. So what was, was it just your passion for mentoring or, or what drove you and led you to be like, this awful thing just happened recently, but I'm going to start over. Yeah, there, there's a whole multitude of things I was running through my mind. One, I had a lot of really close friends that are also PAs and they're like, hey, you're helping so many people, you can't let this knock you down and beat you. Um, and then the interesting thing is you kind of realize there are gonna be a handful of people, the numbers mean nothing. So like if Instagram disappears tomorrow, it really gives you the realization that like, that kind of stuff in the grand scheme of life means nothing. Um, so it's kind of nice to get that clarity. I'm sure other people have different viewpoints and vantage points of it, but that was just kind of an epiphany I had was like, hey, you know what? The numbers, that kind of stuff totally means nothing in the grand scheme of life. Um, but I started having people reaching out to me through, EM, uh, through email or Facebook, uh, other kind of social media outlets. And they're like, hey, I noticed you haven't been posting or you haven't been doing stuff like you used to do because I was pretty like consistent on my schedule of posting. Um, so noticing them reaching out to me, like asking what's going on, um, kind of helped motivate me like, hey, you know what? There are actually more people out there interested in liking the stuff that I'm doing and presenting to them and finding it helpful than I probably first realized. And so that kind of helped me keep going. And then also like full disclosure, I do make a little bit of extra money doing it. And it's nice to say, you know what, it's, if you think of it strictly as a business, like I had this business from it, I lost it and now I want to try to build it back up. So that was another 
reason. Totally. And I love what you said that the numbers aren't, don't matter, are essentially irrelevant. Because I think oftentimes, um, you know, if you see influencers, people have different stigmas attached to that. But if you're doing it because you're passionate about providing a service and to help those that are seeking help in the profession they want to go into, I mean, that's just more so your passion point that really speaks to it because you're not caring about the numbers, essentially. Yeah, definitely. And there's, um, you know, there's a lot of research on the saying the thousand true fans. Um, there's a write up about that. Like it's more important to have kind of the thousand true fans and that's going to actually help you more in the long run than having like a huge amount. Cause, uh, once you kind of get for, and I have, like, I was not at any like crazy amount of followers, but you do realize like, okay, started a new one. Hey everyone, I'm back. You would assume all those thousands of people, all those people would come back like instantly. They're following me for two and a half years. Why wouldn't they just come back instantly? And that's not the case. You realize like, hey, you reach out to all of them again and only a handful that were kind of like your true fans uh, come back. And for what I do and what I like to do, I realized it's, it's so much easier and nicer when you have someone that's like kind of the true fan it's so much easier to help someone that really believes in you and willing to uh, appreciate your advice than someone that's just wanting to accept advice or do something because it's free. Uh, that was another thing I learned early on is when you offer something for free, everyone's going to hit you up. Um, one thing that I used to do, I stopped because of COVID is I would allow people to shadow me in clinics. So they'd come spend a couple hours and see what I did as a PA. That's something that's really difficult to do, but important for people that are trying to get into the profession. And that was another thing where I did it for free, I allowed it, and once that kind of got wind, you get emails upon emails of like, hey, can I shadow you? And, and you have to get to some point where it's impossible to have every single person that emails me shadow. Then you start thinking of ways to, like how do you choose one person over another? Is it because they signed up first or is it because they're applying to PA school right now? Or is it because they live closer? Or I finally got down to, you had to be referred by someone I knew um, as the, the main way. But yeah, there's, it's uh, kind of interesting to see how those things uh, evolve once you kind of disappeared and then now you come back. Totally. Totally. And I like what you said too about the thousand true fans. I, I feel like those that really resonate with what you're doing are the ones that are going to be more actively involved anyways. And those are the people you really want to serve. So I love, I love hearing that because I know for myself, I always get caught up in the numbers. So thank you for, <laughs> thank yeah. you for that reminder. And for anyone out there that is trying to as an entrepreneur and trying to create something, right? It's, you get bogged down by the numbers and not staying rooted in what you're doing because you're passionate about it. It's really easy to get frustrated, but clearly this is your passion point and you enjoy doing it and you're so good at doing it, which is why you have so many people who are following you. One of the things for people that might be early in their, uh, their journey towards like starting up social media or something they're passionate about, one, try not to, be fixated on the numbers early on. That was one of my issues when I first started. I was one of those people that was like, how come so-and-so posted this and got this many likes and has this many followers when 
I feel mine is more valuable and only this many likes happen. When you get caught up in numbers games like that, it's going to mess with your head and it's not really going to build you up or improve you in the long run. I've become a big proponent of you just running your own race. And one of my favorite examples to give to students uh, and people that are interested in having a goal and sticking to it is just imagine when you're watching the Olympics and you're watching like swimming or track and field, especially I'm going to use Michael Phelps because that's a great example. If you ever saw him preparing right before a race, that guy is totally in the zone doing his own thing. He could care less about what's going on around him. He's just like either sitting there listening to music, trying to visualize, focus in his own zone, preparing totally just to himself. So that way when it's race time, he's completely focused. Nothing outside of that is interfering with him. And I think the same holds true when you have a goal or when you're trying to uh, create something as you kind of set your goal and you stay focused on it. And of course, you're going to have some outside noise trying to you know, persuade you one way or the other. But if you can really stay true to yourself and true to the goal and focus on running your own race, it might take you longer. You might not get there as fast. You might have some ups and downs more than others. But in the long run, once you reach your goal, you're going to be thankful that you did it the way you wanted to. Yeah, that's really inspirational words. Thank you for that. Um, I don't, I actually think that resonates so much with me personally. And I, that's a really good reminder and really good analogy. Um, and I think I want to end on a positive note. And that was super positive. You just uplifted me and gave me a lot of inspiration to keep doing this podcast. So thank you. <laughs> you're doing a great job you're doing really awesome stuff and you just got to keep with it and be consistent and uh yeah you're doing amazing things sharing really cool stories of uh neat people thank you well and you're one of them so thank you for being on my podcast and thank you so much for your time oh of course anytime hey before you go please hit that subscribe button also like and share would really appreciate it at strength and vulnerability podcast i'm on all the social network sites i'm also on apple podcasts and spotify if you would rather just listen to the audio uh if you liked my guest today anthony follow him on your journey to pa school on instagram and anthony gothier on youtube so hopefully you guys liked it tune in for the next show and i have a bunch that maybe you didn't see so take a look at some of my archives thanks so much till next time <laughs>